have a bit of a, a discomfort about where we are and who we are with that sense of actually knowing we could be so much more. And yet, as Christians, we still somehow believe that we can be a good Christian and lead a good life without dying. So let's just see what the wonderful C.S. Lewis has to say about that. He says, The terrible thing, the almost impossible thing, is to hand over your whole self, all your wishes and precautions, to Christ. But it's far easier than what we're all trying to do instead. For what we are trying to do is to remain what we call ourselves, to keep personal happiness as our great aim in life, and yet at the same time be good. We're all trying to let our mind and heart go their own way, centered on money or pleasure or ambition, and hoping in spite of this to behave honestly, chastely and humbly. And that's exactly what Christ warned us you could not do. As he said, a thistle cannot produce figs. If I am a field that contains nothing but grass seed, I cannot produce wheat. Cutting the grass may keep it short, but I I shall still produce grass and no wheat. If I want to produce wheat, the change must go deeper than the surface. I must be ploughed up and re-sown. So as we're looking at this in terms of how we become our dream church, I'm also aware that there are some people here where this isn't your dream church, your home church. So if you can just think of it as, you know, just put it in your own context of school or university or the church that you come from. So uh, Johnny's going to come and do the reading for us. Um, so please turn to John 12 verses 20 to 26 and um, see what the Lord has to say. Uh, Jesus predicts his death. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to the worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honour the one who serves me. Thanks, Johnny, very much. Okay, I just want to um, look at the text verse by verse for a bit, and then we'll see how it might apply to us today. So John's Gospel is peppered with signs, probably some of you know that, messianic signs, so that the reader, um, as the, as the reader um, looks at the text, they would see... Uh, the signs that Jesus is actually the long-awaited Messiah. Uh, So when it says there were some Greeks, in verses 20 and 21, some Greeks among those who went up to worship, who asked Philip if they could see Jesus, this was a real sign that actually Jesus had come to die for non-Jews as well as Jews. 
Greeks was often um, the word that people used at that stage to just describe foreigners. So there were some non-Jews, and they'd come up to worship. So there was already faith there, and they wanted to come up and see Jesus, to talk to him, to find out who he really was. So that was a sign for Jesus that also that his, that his time is now coming. And he says in the following verse, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now there are several instances in the Gospel where you hear his hour has not come. The first of those was at, in chapter 2 at the wedding at Cana, and, uh, where he turned the water into wine. And then there's another in chapter 7, where he's teaching at the Feast of Tabernacles, that the authorities wanted to seize him and arrest him, but they could not, because his time had not yet come. But in verse 23, this is the first time that Jesus says his hour has come. And in the following verse, he's alluding to what his dying on the cross actually means and why he has to do that. So in verse 24, the message says, listen carefully. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So even Jesus, who was fully man and fully God, who did amazing miracles and encountered people and totally transformed them and turned their lives upside down, could only be in one place at one time. And if he was going to fulfill God's purposes, he had to go to the cross and be buried so that he could uh, be raised to life again and then bring the Holy Spirit so he chose to do that. He chose to die on the cross. Not thinking about himself, but thinking about you and me. And he took the weight of your sin and my sin on himself as he died. Three days later, he was raised to life again. And a few weeks after that, he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit so that we could know his presence with us and his saving power and his healing with us every day, wherever we were. So as the grain or ear of wheat falls into the ground and is buried, the outer husk dies and a kind of supernatural multiplication takes place where all the promise in the grain uh, is fulfilled and as it's planted then there's amazing fruitfulness after that so each of us each of you is like a grain of wheat and look at them it's, isn't it beautiful they are beautiful so they're beautiful in and of themselves but they're not producing anything but it's full of latent life, full of unfulfilled promise. And the germ inside has got the promise of boundless harvests in it. Now a slave, if they're given a command, has no choice. They just have to obey. 
but a son or daughter is given a command and actually we have a choice whether we obey or not. Jesus had a choice and we have a choice. So we can all choose to remain like that single grain among other single grains in a sack beautiful but lifeless or we can choose to be planted together to surrender to to Jesus to die to ourselves and be buried in the life of Christ and allow him to release the latent life and unfulfilled potential in us Michael Spencer, who wrote a book called uh, Mere Churchianity, said, The command to follow requires that we take a daily journey in the company of other students. It demands that we be lifelong learners and that we commit to constant growth in spiritual maturity. Discipleship is a call to me, but it's a journey of we. So individually, we need to say yes. But we journey together, we travel together, we're not on our own. Doesn't the thought of that just make your heart sing? Verse 25. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, I've always been a bit puzzled about what um, loving and hating your life in the Bible means. Um, And actually, at the moment, I really love my life. I haven't always loved it, but I really love it at the moment. I've got the world's most amazing husband. We've got three amazing children, and we've got two absolutely gorgeous grandchildren. We love our son-in-law, and we love our soon-to-be daughter-in-law. I absolutely love being part of this family here. I love what I do. We've got incredible friends. I mean, I could go on, but it hasn't always been like that. And because of that, I so appreciate that it's like that now. But am I not meant to love my life? If you look up the word for love in this context, I haven't got a slide, I'm afraid. It's the word phileo, and you spell it P-H-I-L-E-O. And it means, have affection and regard of a very high order. Have affection and regard of a very high order. The word for life here is psyche, P-S-Y-C-H-E. And that means life, soul, heart, part of the inner person, my soul, myself. So in other words, if I have affection and regard of a very high order for myself, my own person, I will lose my life. That makes a bit more sense, doesn't it? So I think when we live our lives in in that way, we take up the whole horizon. There isn't room for anybody else and there certainly isn't room for Jesus. It reminded me of... um, not being able to see out of a journey that we um, went up to Gatwick when we took Alexander, Peter's son, up when he was on his way to India. And the 
the weather was just unbelievable. Half the roads were closed. It was absolutely freezing. It was pouring with snow. And we set off, got onto the motorway, couldn't see the lines on the motorway, could hardly see the other cars. It was the most terrifying thing, I can tell you. And um, all the slush, the snow and the salt was just coming up onto the windscreen. And uh, our wipers were going. But actually then the um, windscreen washer froze. So the whole windscreen was smeared and we could not see a thing out of the windscreen. We had no idea where we were going. So we had to keep getting out and Peter rather beautifully kept spitting on the windscreen and giving it a little rub. (laughs) Because we didn't have any water. So it was just the most terrifying um, journey. So we had to wait until after we dropped him we had to make sure that the windscreen washer was properly defrosted so that we could actually see where we were going but when our whole windscreen our whole horizon is filled with ourselves our hearts turn to stone because we're so consumed with ourselves we can't see anything else and when it's all on our focus it can be a sign of pride Proverbs 12:15 says, Know it alls don't like being told what to do. They avoid the company of wise men and women. Now, if we're honest, we all suffer from pride to a greater or lesser extent. None of us has got it together, and we all have blind spots. Those are areas in our lives that we can't see, but we need to die to. So can you see the problem there? Now, I have a number of friends who I have given permission to tell me when I'm out of order, when I'm out of line, if I've got a bad attitude, because those are areas that I can't see. And I really, my challenge to you tonight, my first challenge is, have you got somebody or several people who you know love you, but who can speak into your life and actually tell you when you're out of order and you will listen to them? That's the first thing. So if I have affection and regard of a very high order for myself, my own person, it can also be a sign of fear or rejection, self-protection, a need to be right or in control. It's a great list, isn't it? It could be a sign of guilt or disappointment. Attachment to wealth or power or reputation. But through all of that, we hurt and damage our relationships. And Jesus doesn't get a look in. So what do you need to die to tonight? So that you can find your real self and your focus can be Jesus. What do you need to die to? Lovely C.S. Lewis again. He says, your real new self will not come as long as you are looking for it. It will come when you are looking for him. Keep back nothing. Nothing that you have not given away will be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself. And you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, 
despair, rage, ruin and decay. But look for Christ and you will find him and with him everything else thrown in. So what do you need to die to tonight? What do I need to die to tonight if we are to become that dream church that is able to move out in power and love and serve our community? Andrew, could you put the words up now, please? Oh, cool, marvellous. Word of knowledge, isn't he brilliant? (laughs) So these were all the words that came from that evening that we had here, but also the prayer that we had as a team and also from St. Thomas's. So isn't that exciting that there was so much unity there? And obviously, I can only just kind of scratch the surface because there's so much in there. But anyway, bear with me. So let's just take a few of these words and think about who are the poor, the lonely, and the broken-hearted in your school at uni, at work, in your family, and in our community. Who are they? Might be the elderly, or the bereaved, those whose families are falling apart, the sick, those grappling with loss of many kinds. So how can you be family to them? How can you reach out to them? Can you be a listening ear? Can you take a meal? Can you offer to pray? What comfort can you offer to them? What hope? How about those who are being bullied and feeling crushed? because of harsh words and tormenting by others. Jesus hates injustice. How can you, how can we imitate him in those situations? Can we stand up for those people that are being picked on? Can we bring them into our family? Can we help them to know that God has made them with an amazing purpose? And he's got a good plan for their life. Maybe you've been the bully. And you know it's time to stop. It's the outworking of how bad things are for you in other areas. So someone else has been paying for your pain. Psalm 51 verse 17 says... A broken and contrite heart, God, you will not despise. So if you've upset anyone or not treated them as if they were made in the image of God, maybe tonight is the night that you need to ask the Lord for forgiveness and make it right with a person. But the great news is that Jesus loves you too. You too are made in the image of God. And he knows that you're better than that. Love is the Lord's currency. Love changes lives. It brings hope and belonging. Love requires that we act 
but it can sometimes feel too much for us. Is he asking more than we can give? Oswald Chambers said, it's instilled in us to think that we have to do exceptional things for God. We have not. We have to be exceptional in ordinary things. To be holy in mean streets, among mean people, surrounded by sordid sinners. That's not learned in five minutes. We do it together. We journey together. Family of God. Community of love. The message says, for, uh, verse 26, If any of you wants to serve me, then follow me. Then you'll be where I am, ready to serve at a moment's notice. But to follow him, you need to be able to see him. So what do you need to die to? How do you need to clean your windscreen? What do you need to remove? Those who aren't following Jesus aren't his followers. It's that simple. Followers follow. And those who don't follow aren't followers. So to follow Jesus means to follow Jesus into a society where justice rules, where love shapes everything. To follow Jesus means to take up his dream and work for it. So exciting, isn't it? So if you've still got your, your stone, I'm kind of hoping it's feeling a bit uncomfortable. But anyway, just take, uh, take hold of your stone. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will show, show you what the stone represents that he wants you to die to tonight. And I sense that for some of you, the stone may be like burning in your hand and you just can't wait to put it down. And I sense that as you put that down, he's going to give you a sword in your hand. It's the sword of the Spirit. And you're going to find him deeply in the Word in new ways. It may be your heart of stone that you want to put down and get in return a heart of flesh. And I was praying this afternoon as I was walking the dog, and in my mind's eye I could see, I could see the room, and I could see all the people here. And there was just like a heat haze just hovering over all of you. And the Lord said, that is the potential that I'm longing to unlock in the body here. Just that amazing potential if we decide to die together. Think how we can help bring the kingdom in. So much potential here. We need to say yes to dying together and becoming that amazing harvest for the Lord. So Hannah's going to come and sing over us now. This is a song that she wrote in response to that time that we had with those words when we were thinking about our dream church. So the words will come up, but she's going to sing it over us. And then we're going to move into a time of communion.
And if you'd like to, I think the Lord is asking you to take your stone and to put it down over by the cross over there and then come and take communion and just experience that supernatural exchange burying something that you're so glad to be rid of and exchanging it for just amazing new life Holy Spirit life The team will be taking communion first and they will be around the building and they would love to pray for you if there's somebody that you'd like to stand with you in prayer. But Holy Spirit, come now to these children that you love with all of your heart.